0: Welcome to this message from the teaching ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Orlando, Florida, under the leadership of Senior Pastor Mike Osborne. Good morning. He is risen. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you have a Bible with you, please turn to Matthew 28. Uh, We're going to look at verses 1 through 20. If you're going to use one of the Bibles that we provide underneath the chairs in front of you, it's on page 989. Matthew 28, 1 through 20. Here now as I read God's holy and inspired word. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So when the women hurried away, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say... His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Gracious Father, we do thank you that we have this opportunity to look at your word this morning. We pray that you would use it in our lives as Mike prayed before. Fill us with your spirit, fill us with your word, and send us out to our neighbors and to the nations with this amazing gospel. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. It's Easter Sunday and we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ for celebrating the fact that he rose from the dead. It is the most amazing thing. It is the most important thing that's ever happened. Uh, One author says the resurrection is not merely important to the historic Christian faith. Without it, there would be no Christianity. Another author, a guy named Yaroslav Pelikan, who not only has an awesome name, but uh, said, if Christ is risen, nothing else matters. And if Christ is not risen, nothing else matters. It's true. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important thing to ever happen. And what we want to see today, what we want to realize today from the word of God is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes him Worthy of true worship. And when I say worship, I don't just mean coming on a Sunday morning and singing songs, which we call corporate worship and listening to preaching that obviously he's worthy of that. But I mean, worship in the full biblical sense of the word. When they use the word worship in the scriptures, they would say, what God do you worship? And basically they were saying, what God are you trusting in? What God are you loving? What God do you serve? What God do you obey? And that's what we're talking about this morning, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes him worthy of our love, worthy for us to serve him with our lives, worthy for us to obey his every word and worthy of us to be proclaiming his name to the entire world. His resurrection makes him worthy of true worship. That's what I hope we can see this morning. And so we're going to do this by really just looking at three questions. Talk about what happened. Why does it matter? And what should we do? What happened? Why does it matter? And what should we do? So if you keep your Bibles open, we're going to look at the text just for a minute here. I just want to walk through this story. It's such an amazing story. A little background. Uh, the couple days before on the day we call Good Friday, Jesus was murdered. He was hung on the cross. He died. And then they took his body down and they put it into a tomb where his body lay lifeless for the rest of Friday, for all of Saturday, and for the first part of Easter Sunday. And that's where we pick up. The women here in verse 1 were going to the tomb. They were most likely going to anoint Jesus' body with some oils and some spices and some things that normally you would do for somebody who had died. But what happens, there's this amazing earthquake. Now, whether the earthquake was happened when they were there or when they are on their way, we're not sure about that. But the earth shook. And it might be that exact moment when jesus rose from the grave and the reason you could imagine that is because if you were to flip back to matthew 27 verse 51 you'd see that when jesus died matthew writes that the earth shook and the rocks split and so what matthew is showing us here is that the death of christ and then the glorious resurrection of christ are some earth rocking events the two most earth rocking events that we've ever uh, heard about and so Then this angel appears, oh, can you you imagine that? Seeing this angel, they said it looked like lightning, just gleaming white, nothing we've ever seen on TV could ever come close to giving us a picture of what this was really like. I mean, it was unreal and his clothes were white as snow. And so the guards... They were paralyzed with fear. I mean, you can imagine. You're looking at something like you've never seen before. They're just laying there, probably shaking, and they can't move. They were maybe even trying to move. It says they were laying there like dead men. Oh, man, it's amazing. So then the angel says, look at this, to the women, not to the guards. He says, to the women, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. As if to say to the guards, yeah, you guys are in big trouble. You lay there and you'd be paralyzed, okay? But to the women... He says, do not be afraid, and he says this incredible line. Look at this, verse 6. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. So he sends them off to tell the disciples they're mixed with this. uh, They have this mixture of of incredible fear and incredible joy at the same time. You know, probably like if you're going skydiving, you're like, I'm so excited and I'm scared to death. And so, you know, they're experiencing this amazing emotion and they're running, running away to tell the disciples. And if they're not overwhelmed enough, Jesus appears to them the risen Christ. He appears to them. He says, greetings. They know nothing other than to fall down and worship him. And look at that. Look at verse 9. It says that they clasped his feet. What that is showing us, Matthew is teaching us here that they grabbed a hold of his physical body. His body came back to life. It's not as if Jesus died and then his spirit lives on. No. No. This was a real resurrection. His dead body became alive again. We see that because they were able to clasp his feet. Uh, John recounts this in his gospel. Chapter 20, verse 20, which I have on the screen, says Jesus showed them his hands and his feet. Luke 24, 39. Look at this. It says, Jesus said to them, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch Me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. I mean, this is the real deal. Jesus' dead body is now back to life, fully alive. Verse 10, he says that the disciples are his brothers. We could preach a year long sermon on what that means, a sermon series. And then I love this. Look at the contrast between 11 through 15 and then 16 through 20. In 11 through 15, you have Jesus' enemies. Uh, devising a plan to spread lies about Jesus. And Matthew puts that right next to verses 16 through 20, which are where Jesus appears to his disciples and equips them, tells them he's got all the authority and sends them out to make disciples, or in other words, to proclaim the truth. So it's just a phenomenal story. It's absolutely powerful. And it tells us, we see in this eyewitness account from Matthew, as we see in other gospels, that Jesus physically fully rose from the dead. He was dead and then he was fully alive. And there's a whole lot of reasons. We could spend a lot of time looking at all the reasons why we would believe that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. One example, if you think about the story that the uh, elders and chief priests came up, that the, that the disciples came and stole the body. Think about the uh, extreme unlikelihood that they would go ahead and steal the body and hide it somewhere and then go off into the world proclaiming that he had risen from the dead, even though doing that was going to bring persecution upon them, torture upon them, death on them. The fact that they went out and proclaimed the gospel to the world just shows that it's true because nobody would do that for a lie. So that's another that's a reason that we can believe that it's true. Another reason, if you look at first Corinthians uh, 15, Paul says that there was one point that Jesus appeared to 500 people. Let me read this to you. I'll start in verse three. I've just got six on the screen. Paul says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas. That's Peter and then to the 12, and then here you go. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Now, Paul wrote this letter a couple decades after Christ rose from the dead. But in saying that, he's saying, listen, there was 500 people in the place and they saw Jesus. So if you want to hear about that, some of them are still alive. A lot of them are still alive. Go ask them. Now, they're not alive today, obviously, but at the time they were still alive. And so basically Paul's challenge here was that people would go and ask and see if it was true. And we don't have historical evidence saying that it's not. Nobody wrote letters saying, no, what Paul said isn't true. We couldn't find anybody who saw the risen Christ. So historically speaking, there's just far more evidence that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. Here's another thing, and this one is uh, its just shocking. Uh, Jesus was a, in one sense, he was what we could call a messianic movement leader. Uh, let me explain what I mean. The, in the Old Testament, it talks about why the world is such a messed up place, why the world is filled with sin and misery, why human beings can't seem to treat each other right. And the Old Testament tells us it's because Adam and Eve, the first people, they sinned. They brought sin and misery into the world. And therefore, all of the human race, we just have a problem getting along. We fight against each other because we're fighting against God. I don't know if you've seen the movie Argo. Hannah, that's my wife. We watched uh, the movie Argo on Friday night. And uh, the whole t- it's an amazing movie. And it's the story of when uh, several hostages were taken in Iran. And a few of them got away and were trying to uh, get uh, uh, free from the country. But it's this story, and you just see, knowing it's a true story, you, I was just kind of gut-wrenched at, all, at the brutality, the way people were treating each other. It was just shocking. But all of that is a result of sin. Sin came into the world when humanity chose to disobey God, and it made us messed up. And so the Old Testament talks about not only that, but that, God was going to send someone to make things right. That God was going to one day send somebody who would uh, deal with all this sin and misery in the world. And that person in the Old Testament was referred to as the Messiah, which means the anointed one or the chosen one. And so the Jews in the first century, when Jesus came on the scene, they had been waiting for a Messiah. For generations and generations. And so that's why when people started to say that Jesus was the Messiah, this was a big deal. Here's a couple examples. Uh, John one forty-one, when Andrew, one of the first disciples, hears about Jesus, he runs off to tell his brother Simon, and he tells him, we have found the Messiah, that is Christ. Uh, another example in John is from John 4.25-26, The woman said, this is when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well. She said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So Jesus claims to be, claimed to be this Messiah, this promised person who would come and make things right, deal with the fact that human beings treat each other terribly. Here's what you may not know. Jesus was one of several Messianic movement leaders. There were men before him and even men after him. And they all have very similar stories. And we see this uh, history has documented this. uh, An early historian named Josephus has talked about this. But uh, historians identify 10 to 12 other Messianic movement leaders that did a lot Of the same things that Jesus did, for example, these these men were Jewish like Jesus. They came and they would preach about the kingdom of God like Jesus did. Uh, They promised signs of salvation and deliverance just like Jesus did, and they most of them died violent deaths just like Jesus did. So, you know, there's a question: Well, how come we don't know about those guys? How come we never really heard about them? Well, when all of those Messianic movement leaders died their violent deaths. Basically, their followers, some of them had a lot of followers, their followers kind of had two options. Number one, they could give up, pretend that didn't happen, and uh, go live a quiet life somewhere. Or number two, they could go looking for a new Messiah. But the followers of Christ... Didn't either. They didn't give up. And they didn't go looking for another Messiah. In fact, they began to uh, run to everywhere in the world to preach that Jesus is the Messiah, that he did rise from the grave. And so what we see happening is the church of Jesus Christ beginning and growing and doing things that history history had never seen before the growth. The beginning and the growth, the rapid expansion and explosion of the Christian church is is a historical anomaly. There's no, never been anything like it in the history of humanity. In fact, uh, Rodney Stark is a sociologist. He wrote a great book called The Rise of Christianity. And he talks about how this little group of people following Jesus suddenly uh, were exploding into be the dominant religious force in the world. In fact, uh, this is his book title. It tells it all. The Rise of Christianity, how the obscure marginal Jesus movement became the dominant religious force in the Western world in a few centuries. That is something to be reckoned with. The fact that these guys went and spread what they believed, and more and more people believed it. And now, do you know the Pew Research Center and the Pew Forum for Religion and Public Life? They estimate that nearly 32%, so roughly one third of the world's population, claims to be Christians. That's over 2 billion people. With a B, billion. It's unbelievable. It's shocking that this little group of followers of, of Christ have not exploded into being this world force. It is absolutely shocking. And the question is, how is, that, how is the Jesus movement still going forward? Why is his messianic movement suddenly what one-third of the people believe to be true about God and about his son? And the reason is because he really did rise from the grave. That's the difference. All these other messianic movement leaders, when they died, so did their movement. But when Jesus died, he didn't stay dead. He came back to life in bodily form. And his followers saw that he, there he was. They could touch him. They could feel him. They could see this is the true Messiah. This is really the one that God has sent to make things right. To deal with the fact that this world is a horrible, hard place where people treat each other Horrifically. He's the one. And so seeing that he truly was the one, they began this church planning movement. They realized they had the real Messiah. And they 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 preached the gospel. They spread to just as Jesus told them to do, to the surrounding areas, and then it moved to Europe. and moved all over different parts of the world, moved to America, moved here. This church that we are part of is a result original original A result of the original church planting explosion. It's still happening. We're still part of it. Many of you probably know that we're part of the Florida Church Planting Network. We partnered with this group that's planting this church down in Lake Nona. We sent a few families down there. Some of you may know that we're looking at the possibility of bringing on a church planter on staff here at UPC to raise up a core group and go out and plant a church. We prayed for our missionary, one of our missionaries, Matthew Philibrick. He's over there in Japan. It is still happening because the risen Christ is alive and he is still ruling and reigning and leading his original movement to tell the world, to proclaim to the world and demonstrate to the world that he is the promised Messiah. They began to obey the Great Commission. It's still being obeyed. Look at it again. Matthew 28, starting in 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's exactly uh, what they began to do. And then... He says, uh, "He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit uh, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When somebody who was dead is standing before you fully alive, tells you they'll be with you, you believe them. And you run and say whatever they want you to say to people, which is what they did. So what happened? A real bona fide resurrection. And a messianic movement began and has never ended. Because of this resurrection. So we should believe that the resurrection truly happened. We should worship the Lord Jesus because of it. Now, let's talk about why it matters. Why does it matter? What happened to resurrection? Why does it matter? Here's why it matters. Because Jesus said it would happen. He said it would happen, and then it did Look at verse six again. He is not here, says the angel. He has risen just as he said. It is so critical that we see this, that Jesus said this would happen and then it happened, which means that we can trust everything he's ever said. If he said he's going to die and then rise from the grave and then he did, we can trust anything he says. Conversely, if it isn't true, If he didn't rise from the grave like he said he would, then why would we believe anything he said? I mean, if somebody tells you something and they say something's going to happen, then it doesn't happen. You usually don't go ahead and say, well, what else would you like to tell me? I'll believe that. But he said it would happen. Now, if if, if it didn't happen, then actually Paul says, the Apostle Paul says that we're wasting our time. Look at this from 1 Corinthians 15, 17 through 19. This is tough for uh, Christians to wrestle with, but this is what Paul says. He says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. That's the word of God. We got to own that. Meaning, literally, if somebody ever were to definitively be able to prove that Jesus did not rise from the grave, then you and I would be just like the followers of all those other messianic movement leaders, and we would either give up or we would go looking for another Messiah. That's not going to happen. Because he really did rise from the grave. Therefore, in, in the same way that if, if he said something and it didn't happen, then everything else he said doesn't really matter. If he said it was going to happen and then it did, then everything he said is of extreme value. Everything he said. Let me, let me just show you. He did say this. I, I kind of skipped a slide. I want to make sure I get this in there. Matthew 17, 22 and 23. Uh, this is an example of him saying it. He said it many other times, but this is just one example. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. So there's an example of him saying it. So now, if he said it and it happened, we can trust everything he said, and that is absolutely life-changing news because Jesus said the most amazing things we could ever wish to hear, and we could look at hundreds of different things that he said that any person would really want to hear but just want to talk about three really quick, three things, uh, something he says about your past, something he says about your present and something he says about the future. In John 3, 18, he says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Is not condemned, which means your sin has been forgiven. You can be forgiven. Those of us who follow Jesus, this is what we celebrate every single week, that our sins have been Forgiven. And so if we're walking around with guilt, if we're Christians walking around with guilt, we're we're listening to some other gospel. We need to listen to the true gospel that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for that sin. It's gone. He has removed it from you. So whatever guilt you're carrying around, just let it go. It's gone. Jesus has removed it from you. Breathe in that amazing feeling of forgiveness. If you're not somebody who's following Christ, I just want you to think about how much guilt you're carrying Some of us have been following Christ for a long time. We don't remember what it feels like to be weighed down with guilt. But you know, you know how that feels. Guilt over things that you've done. Guilt over not maybe accomplishing certain things in your life. Guilt over the way you said something to your friend. Who knows what it is. If you're feeling that weight of guilt, Jesus says he takes it away. Takes it away. He said he would rise from the dead. And then he did. He says that you are not condemned if you believe in him, which means he'll remove your guilt, which means he will. So that's one thing uh, that uh, we want you to see this morning. Another thing about your present is that your life can actually change. You got to realize this, that especially those of you who don't uh, have a real relationship with Jesus, uh, aren't really part of a church, I want you to realize something. It's not just about feeling forgiven, which is, and being forgiven, which is amazing and enough to praise Jesus forever. But it's also about the fact that Jesus tells us he will teach us. He will change us. He will lift us out of those ruts that we keep winding up in. Keep, we keep doing these things that hurt us, that hurt others. We keep saying to ourselves, I wish I wish I didn't do that. And, and Jesus says to us, let me get you out of that. Let me teach you. Listen to one of my uh, favorite verses Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. People always think coming to Jesus is about a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's about it's about rest for your souls. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Look, I know how badly people, human beings, you know, want to change. I feel it. And I know the world feels it because the self-help section of every bookstore is huge. There's like thousands and thousands of books that are based on how you can help yourself become a better person. And the reason that there's thousands and thousands and thousands of them is because the only one that ever worked was written 2,000 years ago. And before that, I know the Old Testament. Anyway, so, the, the, but the point is, the Bible, when people who are following Christ really experience change in their life, Jesus really does teach us. Remember, he's still alive. And he's still ruling and reigning on high. And as we come to him and as we hear from his word, he teaches us. He lifts us out of these ruts we keep getting in. He teaches us how to live a life that brings glory to God and blesses others and brings blessing upon ourselves. He makes us into people that we want to be. so it's not just about being forgiven it's also about uh, being having your life changed and then third another thing he said is that you too will rise again just like him made like him like him we rise ours the cross the grave the skies hallelujah listen to his words in john 6:39 and 40 and this is the will of him who sent me that i shall lose none of all those he has given me but raise them up at the last day for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have every eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. So it's about your future. It's about knowing that one day you're going to die. You already know that. It's still 100% of people die. That's still the, the statistic. But after that, what this is saying The person who died yet came back to life fully says to you and I. If we follow him, if we believe he is who he says he was, who he says he is, that you too, you and I will will rise just like him. We will be our bodies will be back. And what's amazing is it's glorified, perfect bodies that work wonderfully and perfectly. No surgery ever needed ever again. No sickness. In fact, the book of Revelation describes where we'll be delivered to the new heavens and the new earth, talking about a place where there's no more death, no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain. In other words, it's a it's a new place where the the, it's a new world that has not been ravaged by sin. It's a new place where nobody will ever harm you or hurt you or stab you in the back or say something about you that cuts you to the core. Nobody will be tortured. There will be no hostages. The same person who s- said he would die and then three days later rise from the dead and then did tells us that we can be forgiven, that our life really can change and that we can rest assured knowing that we too will rise again after we die. So so we've talked about what happened, that there really was a resurrection, And we've talked about why it matters, because if he said something and it happened, then we can believe everything he says. And he says amazing things. So third, what should we do? And the answer is worship. Worship the risen Christ. Every one of us, let's fall and worship the risen Christ. Those of us who are believers, those of us who are regular members and attenders, uh, let's worship him. Let's repent and believe. Let's examine ourselves this morning and really think about the ways that we haven't loved God with our whole hearts. We haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves. We haven't been on mission. And then we, and then we remember that all of those failures that we have are gone. Jesus has lifted them from us, which gives us this power and this excitement to go out and to make disciples. So let's worship him this morning when we sing in a bit. Let us sing with everything we've got. And John Piper has got it right. He says worship is the fuel for mission. So let's really let him have it when we are singing and worshiping. And let's worship him with our whole lives. Let's realize that we are prone to wander. Lord, we feel it. And let's come back. Let him seal our heart for the courts above. If you are not a believer... If you don't have a church home, if you're here today because it's Easter Sunday. I want you to uh, just hear me. Well, Actually, I don't want you to hear me. I want you to hear the Lord. And I want to ask you three questions. Whatever your objections are to Christianity, just put them on the shelf for a minute and just think about this. Do you want to feel, do you want to be guilt-free? Do you want to know what that feels like for that, that weight to be lifted from your shoulders and never come back, at least not for very long? Do you want that? Is that something that would interest you? Uh, second question is, uh, do, you, do you want to uh, have a life that is being changed regularly? And or do you want to continue to grow and become a person that you really uh, prefer to be? and third do you want that assurance knowing that when you die you know that one day you will rise again if any of these things if any of these things tug at your heart i just plead with you learn from him turn to him receive him receive what he's done on the cross in the tomb In the resurrection and through his ascension, receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge you. Here's the challenge. Ready? Uh, Our regular members and tenders, you'll you'll be here for anywhere for this. Uh, You'll be here anyway. But those of you who don't normally come here, if you're local, I just want to challenge you. We're starting a new sermon series next week on Paul's letter to the Galatians. We're going to really dig into the gospel and see how it just sets us free. Uh, It's it's going to be called Astonished uh, because as we look at what we see in the book of galatians we're just going to be astonished and i want to challenge you particularly those of you who don't normally attend the church but you live nearby would you come back would you commit to at least come into maybe the first four weeks it's going to be a 12 or 13 week series but uh, why don't you make the commitment to at least come in and investigating what we're going to be talking about all you got to do is listen i want to put that challenge out there to you so what happened a resurrection why does it matter? Because Jesus said it was ha- it would happen, and then it did, which means we can believe every word that He said, every word that's in the scriptures, and so what should we do? We should worship. worship, worship, worship the risen Christ, which is what we'll do now. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you and praise you for. This amazing news of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, that in raising him from the dead, you said to him, to us, to the world, that what Jesus said on the cross is true. It is finished. Our sins have been paid for. Our Lord has risen from the dead to lead us, to transform us, to send us out. He has guaranteed our inheritance. He has guaranteed we will live with you. Father, I plead for those uh, who do not know you in this room. I plead that you will draw them to yourself. Draw them to your son. Let no one caught in sin remain inside the lie of inward shame, but fix their eyes upon the cross and run to him who showed great love and bled for us. Lord Jesus, freely you bled for us. And so we worship you. We worship you today. Give us grace and your Holy Spirit so that we may worship you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. We at University Presbyterian Church thank you for listening to this message. Our mission is to help people know God, grow together, and serve others. To learn more about the church or how to have a vital relationship with God, visit our website at www.upc-orlando.com or call our offices at 407-384-3300.